Thank you for checking out the Detroit Church Podcast. We are a growing community in the heart of the city, and we exist to awaken Detroit to the greatest adventure of all time. We look forward to sharing this journey as God is making all things new. Hi, I'm Julie. I'm one of the leaders here at Detroit Church. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, I want to remind you, go ahead and jump in the comments and um, interact. This is church. We're here all together. We want to be together. You might notice we've kind of changed locations. Um, You guys, this is a really crazy season that we're in. And I don't know about you, but being in nature, it just fixes me, man. This is where I'm with God's creation and get outside of my four walls. And I hope you've been doing some of that too. Um, You know, particularly, I'm always intrigued this time of year. You know, the trees, when you come out here right now, it's actually not as pretty as it is like in the summer. It's about to be, it's almost spring. It's gonna be a lot of fun. But right now there's no leaves. If you didn't know better, you would think these trees were dead. But what's amazing is they're actually not dead. There is life teeming inside them. And when you think about that, and think about who God is and how he made them. As a matter of fact, think about like an acorn, this little bitty acorn has a tree inside of it. I mean, God is a mind blower. And so I love coming out here because it reminds me that no matter what it looks like, right now things look crazy. Our world feels chaotic. There are things that feel like they are maybe lifeless. It looks like businesses have died and gone under. There are so many things to make us want to have despair and lose our hope. But I come out here and it reminds me there is always hope. God is working. There is life. There is teeming and there is a purpose. We are actually going to be continuing our series, Epiphany, where we're digging into the book of John. I love John because it gives us a really intimate look at the person and the identity of Jesus. And our title today is Believing is Seeing. That makes me think of one of my very favorite movies. It's a Christmas movie, The Santa Claus. You've probably seen it. The main character, Scott Calvin, through a series of unfortunate events, ends up becoming the new Santa Claus, which may sound really amazing, but for Scott, it's not so amazing because actually he doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Little problem. So my favorite scene is actually when he is at the North Pole after delivering all the presents. It's really quite a ride. You should check it out if you haven't. He's at the North Pole and he's having this conversation with an elf and he's looking out the window and he says, is that a polar bear down there directing traffic? He's like, that's amazing. And he says this, he says, I see it, but I don't believe it. And the elf says to him, this is, this is it right here. She says, you're missing the point. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. And I love that. That is like the definition of faith. Believing is seeing. So we're going to look at John chapter four and see what Jesus has for us today. We're going to start in verse 46. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, here's what you need to know. From Capernaum to Cana, it's a little over 15 miles. And I'm sure you're well aware, he did not have a Honda to drive that distance. He was on foot, maybe a camel, At the very least, it was a whole day's journey to get there. 
And so he makes this journey. Why? His son is ill to the point of death. And he leaves his child to journey a day away. Here's what I wonder. What did he hear about Jesus? What was it that made him leave the bedside of his dying son and journey for a full day? He heard something and it sparked faith. He heard something about Jesus. Let's go on. We'll come back to that. So verse 48. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Okay, pause. I have always felt like that response, honestly, was a little rude. I mean, the guy's like, my son's ill, and, he, and I feel like, I don't know about you, but I kind of read it this way. <sighs> Unless you see signs, you won't believe. Probably I read it that way because that's how I would respond. But that's not what Jesus is saying. He's actually not calling the guy out. That would be rude, right? We all know that would. He's actually, when the you there in the original language is a plural. He's not talking about you, dad with a sick kid, won't believe anything unless you see a sign. He's saying, you, you people of Galilee, you won't believe unless you see. And let's be real, it could absolutely include us, all of us. And the reason that he was saying you people of Galilee actually is clarified if we back up a couple of verses. Back up to verse 44, it says, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown so when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So the Bible doesn't tell us what he did at the feast. He did some stuff. I don't know, maybe he sang a song really good. Probably not, he probably did some amazing things. But whatever he did, it was enough that the Galileans were now catching on, oh, he might actually be who he says he is. There's something special about this Jesus that we grew up with. He's not just another guy. And so that is really where Jesus, if you sense a little frustration, it might be there. It might be a little frustration. It's not about the dad. It's about all of the people in Galilee. And like we said, actually, probably all of us too. The interesting thing about this is that the Samaritans had actually believed without a miracle. His own people were having trouble, but the Samaritans believed just by a conversation, just from his words. Here's the thing. I think familiarity sometimes makes us miss things. It clouds our vision. When things are too up close, we are gonna miss it. You think of how many truths from God's word, powerful truths that we've seen now on bumper stickers and t-shirts and and they've become cliches to the point that with us they've lost their power but it's still the word of god we're too familiar it's lost its power to us and so jesus was calling that out not the man so verse 49 the note the official said to him sir come down before my child dies i love this the guy, it's almost like he didn't even hear what Jesus said. He is so fixed. He is a desperate man. How desperate is a father whose child is dying? I don't think he just even stood there, sir, come down. I think, I imagine him on his knees, grabbing Jesus' clothing, pleading, sir, please, my child is going to die, and begging him to come. And here's the thing, the man, he found himself in a really vulnerable place. 
His child is sick. He needs something from Jesus. Jesus doesn't know him. He's in a place of need. He's experiencing the maximum place of vulnerability. And what I love about this moment is that Jesus shows us how to respond to people when they're vulnerable. Right now, there's a lot of people around us who are vulnerable. And they might come to us. And here's what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't say, well, you're not even of my household. Jesus didn't say, well, you know, do you go to temple every week? He didn't call any of his belief system. He didn't confront anything in the man's life. He recognized the need and he met him there. Verse 50. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. Jesus spoke and the man believed. He literally had no proof and yet he believed. You do realize, don't you, that faith means that something is missing. The fact that we need faith means that there is something left unrealized, something unexperienced. There's something still missing. And there, that right there is where, right there is where faith comes in. Faith believes without seeing. Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us, Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Believing is seeing. The man goes. He hears what Jesus says to him, and he goes. He takes action. I, can't, I just, what happened in the man's heart? He went from just kind of hearing something, something that sparked enough faith to get there, but then he just knew that Jesus had to come with him. He was certain that Jesus had to follow him home and touch his son for a miracle to happen. But yet something happened when Jesus spoke to him, that faith, whatever sliver was there, absolutely exploded because he heard words from Jesus. So faith exploded in his heart and that was enough. Jesus says, go, your son will live. And the man, man's response, he doesn't argue. He doesn't continue to beg. He just goes. That's amazing to me. Let's see how the story turns out. Spoiler alert, it turns out great. Verse 51, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. I love that story. I love it for so many reasons, but it teaches us some really big things about Jesus. Now, we're not even gonna try to dig out all of the treasure in our time together this morning that's hidden in this piece of scripture. Scripture is so rich. You can endlessly mine nuggets of truth out of one passage. But there are three big takeaways that I want us to have today. And the first one is this. One word from Jesus is all it takes to undo the direst of circumstances. So here's the question. How do we get that one word? I mean, Jesus is no longer walking the earth, right? So how do we do that? There's two ways. One, we can pray. And he absolutely wants us to do that, obviously. 
and we can come to him with our needs and ask him for what we need. And we can ask him for a word. Absolutely. He is still talking today. But then the other way that we can make sure that we're getting a word from Jesus is in the scriptures. When you have a need, yes, ask in prayer. But also, and I would say more so, we need to look to the word. Here's the thing. This man that came to Jesus, he was looking for a physical manifestation. His intention was to go and get Jesus and have him physically come back to his son's bedside and raise him up. That was his intention, but that's not what Jesus chose to do. And I think that maybe one of the reasons Jesus chose not to do it that way is that he wanted to teach us something. He knew that his time here on this earth was going to be very brief. And then we were going to be left without him physically here. He was setting us up for success and letting us know that he didn't have to be there. That his. And the thing is, if we put our faith in physical manifestations, we are building on shifting sand. But the word of God is a sure foundation. It doesn't change. This is where sometimes we get into trouble when we say, well, I prayed for something to happen and it didn't happen. And we let that kind of jar our faith because we're looking to the physical manifestation instead of the Word of God. When you think about it, the nobleman actually didn't get what he asked for either. He asked for Jesus to come with him. He didn't get to dictate how Jesus did the miracle. And we don't get to either. Because when we're looking to the results as the thing to build our faith or to root our faith in, we're going to get into trouble every time. Because we're human. We live in a flawed world. I think that is super obvious right now. But the word doesn't change and God doesn't change. This is the only thing that is sure. It's so important that we look to God's word. And here's the thing to remember, for this man that we talked about today, that word, we said that it all it takes is one word from Jesus, right? To undo everything. For this man, that one word brought healing. For someone else, that word actually quieted a storm. You know the story. From Mark chapter 4, Jesus and the disciples are out on the sea, and Jesus is sleeping in the boat, and a storm kicks up. And I mean, it is enough of a storm that grown men who spend their life on the sea are frightened, okay? These are not little schoolgirls. These are grown men who live on the sea, and it was enough of a storm that they were actually scared. It must have been a really big storm. And Jesus is sleeping. He is not disturbed. He's not troubled by it at all. And so they wake him up and they cry out to him. And what does he do? He quiets the storm. The words he spoke in that moment, peace, be still. Or in another translation, it says silence. I submit to you that in this time especially, we all need a word from Jesus. And sometimes that word, praise the Lord, will bring healing. Sometimes the word that we need might just bring quiet to the storm, raging all around us and within us. The second thing that I think we see in this story is that Jesus models for us the way we are to minister to those who do not yet fully believe. When that nobleman came to Jesus, he didn't come believing he was the Christ. He just heard about some guy doing some amazing things and he wanted help. And our world is full of people in that condition right now. People that don't necessarily have faith, but they're looking for answers. Church, this is our moment to minister to these people. And I believe Jesus showed us how to do that. The expositor's commentary, um, I really liked some things that it said. It pointed out that Jesus 
in reaching out to this man right where he was, even though he wasn't a devout follower or anything, you know, he reached him, he met him right where, where he was at. In so doing, here's what it says. He showed us that the lower kind of faith may be a step to the higher. We don't always have to bring these huge doctrinal debates. Sometimes it's not the time for that. Sometimes it's not the time for, oh, well, what have you got going on in your life? It's not the time for that. This is a time for love. This is a time when people are vulnerable. And just like that nobleman was vulnerable, Jesus met him there. And that's what it's our opportunity to do. By meeting the man where his need was, rather than insist he first change his ways or his belief system, Jesus makes a way for faith to blossom in his heart and it ended up saving his whole house. He came to Jesus looking for a healer and he went away with a Lord. We have to give people the space to do that. We have to be careful to be kind always, but especially in this hour that we're in. There is no greater honor than representing Jesus to someone in their moment of vulnerability. Church, let's love them well and let's serve well. The third thing that I think we can see, and oh my goodness, this felt so timely for us right now. With the way that Jesus chose to do this particular miracle, he shows us that he is not limited by physical presence. Oh, aren't you so glad? You might be sitting in your house all by yourself right now. And you know what? You are not all by yourself. Jesus is with you. Oh, thank God that he is not limited by physical presence. What a comfort it is right now. And here's the thing. Again, it was on purpose that he did not go with the man as the man requested. He wanted to show us, I don't have to be there because he knew he would not always be there. He knew his time to be physically present was so short and so limited, he needed us to know that his words would reach far beyond the limits of time and space. I'm so thankful, aren't you? We can reach out to him right now, right where we are. Whatever's going on, maybe there is a healing need in your life. Maybe it's someone you love that needs healing. Maybe it's just you need some peace from the storm. I encourage you right now, reach out to him, talk to him. He is right there with you and he is listening. I'm going to leave you with one verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I want to remind you, no matter what it looks like, just remember, seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. Thanks for listening to the Detroit Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and rate. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for Detroit Church.